Facebook Live. We're pressing into February. I can't believe the, I, I saw a meme the other day, it said January 2021, the longest year in history. Feels like it in a lot of ways. We've had a lot of things happen. That includes, uh, we had a change of power for the president, which included, I'm going to skip over a lot of bits of that and just go straight to something positive, which was our poem that was read on inauguration day that knocked the world completely out. And she's going to be, Amanda Gorman's going to be doing the same thing at the Super Bowl this Sunday, which is an amazing circumstance. I'm completely blown away about it. I love it. I'll take it over a Katy Perry halftime show any day. I mean, this is going to be very interesting. So I want to introduce some folks to talk about what feels like a bit of a renaissance for poetry. And it's weird to say because poetry has never gone away, but it seems like every half generation or so, we, the nation needs a reminder about the power of poetry and those that do it. And I want to introduce some folks who do it here locally. We've got an Albuquerque Poet Laureate program, program, and we have two with us today, Jessica Helen Lopez. Jessica, she is familiar to our viewers on New Mexico PBS as well. We appreciate her contributions. And another pre previous, the inaugural Albuquerque Poet Laureate, and that would be Hakeem Bellamy. Thank you, Hakeem. And hey, Jane. joining us, really appreciate it. And in our state, we have a state Poet Laureate program, and that would be Levi Romero, who is the current holder of that title. Levi, I'm loving that background so much where you're sitting. I love that thing. That is awesome. Uh, let me back up a little bit. Let me go back to the inauguration before we get to the Super Bowl. And Jessica, I want to get a, a sense from you about, you know, that day. I know we've had a long time to kind of chew on it. A lot's been said about it. It maybe feel a little bit old because a lot of things have happened, but it still is very a resonant moment for me. And I think for a lot of people, what did it mean for you to watch this young woman do her thing? Hey, hi, Jean. Well, thanks hey, first man. for having me. Uh, hola, gente up there in Facebook, Landia, in uh, uh, New Mexico, in focus. Um, so, you know, I'm a teacher. I work at the Native American Community Academy, and I've been there now for over 10 years. Um, and then I've had the great honor to be able to pop into to classrooms as a guest artist, as a guest poet, um, helped to run a youth writing program out of the National Hispanic Cultural Center that was originally one of the founding members, Carlos Contreras. And I say all this because I just really wanna honor all of our, our community um, uh, poets and artists mm -hmm. and, and, and those who advocate for, for expression through the arts. And so to see this young woman, you know, uh, blasted across the world and, and spouting um, her poetry, her story and, and speaking for self, but speaking in, in some of the best ways for others mm -hmm. as, a, as a black girl, as a woman, a, a young woman of color. And then me as a Chicana, as a teacher, teaching indigenous students, right. um, it was just all the right things coming together at the right time. Um, and you know what, I agree with you I often see articles that say, is poetry dead? And no, not whatsoever. Sometimes poetry hibernates, perhaps. Uh -huh. And then again, yes, there's this type of renaissance or, re or resurrection that happens, which brings it to the limelight, but it's always been there. Mm -hmm. um, and we think about, uh, you know, storytelling and, and the oral tradition and chisme and gossip and, and the way we, we tell our stories, you know, uh, generationally, uh, that, that's poetry. And so uh, to, to see Gorman um, and to, to know that my students uh, see themselves in her is uh, pretty darn phenomenal. There you go. Hakeem, pick up on that, brother, if you will. I mean, it's, it's just really quite something when you realize, wait a minute, you know, I, you can look back and all the poet laureates or the, or the poets rather who have spoken at inaugurations. She really stands apart. It's really extraordinary. Oh, Hakeem, are you there? Oh, you might have frozen up. 
Levi, can I ask you to take that one? Sorry about that. I think Levi, uh, uh, Hakeem Signal kind of punked out there. No worries. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Greetings. Saludos, everybody. Um, I hope everyone's doing well out there. Um, no, uh, going back to um, seeing uh, the poet at the inauguration was really, um, for me, just uh, a wonderful surprise because I wasn't expecting that. Right. Um, and in fact, I was alone in my living room watching it. And after she was done, I just got up and gave her a standing ovation, you know, uh, just uh, reacted in that way. And just to hear her voice, I don't mean just a voice, but the voice that I have heard for so many years um, that uh, was something to be fought for uh, years ago when the slam and spoken word communities weren't exactly acknowledged. Um, and it's something that uh, it's a grassroots movement of self-empowerment through poetry. And it's something that um, Jessica, Carlos, Damien, Hakeem, I can go on and name a, a few others. I don't want to leave anybody out, but uh, they are the ones that brought it into the university arena and, uh, and it's still holds strong. And, you know, it was at a time when it wasn't welcomed and acknowledged. And now here's this young woman at the inauguration of the U.S. president reciting in that same cadence and that voice that had no place and no home before. It was beautiful. That's a fascinating observation, Levi. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of really kind of taken with that. You're right. It was that voice. I never really I didn't really think about that on a surface level that that I, I just and the reason I'm reacting, Jessica, I want to get your reaction to what Levi just said, too. The reason I'm reacting so strongly is I've had in my mind's eye uh, all through 2020 trying to do some kind of anniversary notice or something about the 2005 National Poetry Slam that happened here in Albuquerque. And the moment sort of went by because of obvious reasons, COVID and everything else. And I, I would advocate that we all sort of maybe think about that at some point in the future, because I think that was just a tremendous moment for the city that really launched exactly what you just said. You know what I mean? So Jessica, please do. Oh, you're on two places. That's so fun. Hi. <laughs> I love it. That was fun. It's because I'm, I'm a Chicana mama. I, oh, I love that. And I love that. <laughs> I love that question. And I'm glad that Levi brought this up. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's profes like Levi um, that uh, helped to cultivate uh, those safe spaces for spoken word and slam poetry to thrive um, in an academia sense, in the land of uh, academia. Um, we weren't always welcome maybe in the English departments. Um, we weren't always uh, validated as a, as a valid, uh, excuse me, as a, a true uh, genre of poetry. You know, it was a lot like hip hop was, uh, was being birthed and, and fighting for its place in, in this canonized, accepted uh, art form. That too was spoken word. Mm -hmm. um, any, and anyhow, um, you know, just thinking about the 2005 Albuquerque Poetry Nationals, you know, I didn't attend that. I started slamming about maybe a week after uh, the championship. Oh, and no kidding. <laughs> newspaper, but check it out. It was, it was folks like Levi and folks like Don MacGyver and, and folks like uh, Hakeem and Lee Francis that were really uh, accepting of me. So I read about it in the newspaper and knew I had to be there. I had to go to the party and I, I wanted to write my poems too. And so I went, started going to local slams that were just hosted everywhere and still are in a virtual mm -hmm. center in Albuquerque which is super accessible, super democratized uh, type of um, uh, participation. 
And, uh, you know, because of that, it really did change the trajectory of my life. And it incorporated all of the things, not just craft-wise, when we think about writing poetry and, um, you know, page and stage poetry, but also as an educator, as a community organizer, as mm -hmm. an advocate and an activist, because all of those things are most importantly wound together in that voice that Levi speaks of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And with that, you know, you think about the year we just came through and the year before that, 20, yeah. 2019, of course, where, you know, we've got a rise, guys, of this whole other alt thing going on out there, this rise of, of, of a white nationalist, whatever you want to call this thing. And it just seems to me poets, uh, sorry for the cliche, but they're more important than ever right now, because we need people to sort all this out. And give it a place, if someone needs to avoid, not someone, but a group of someones, meaning poets, are the best able to sort of step back from things. And Levi, you know, just sort of explain to us really what's going on underneath what we're seeing on television and, and screens. Well, you know, it, it just reminds me of the mantra that um, the great iconic Chicano poet from Austin, Raul Salinas, uh, used to speak of, you know, that la poesía está en la calle. Poetry is in the streets, right? It's in, in it's in the arroyos. It's in the in places where you wouldn't normally think that poetry should exist. Um, so it's there. It's always been there. And New Mexico, especially, uh, comes from that long uh, history of the oral traditions, stories, and histories passed down orally uh, through the generations. And so I think it's just a movement that continues on to this day and moves forward because uh, language is always evolving. You know, it's a living organism. Mm -hmm. And so that the young woman at the inauguration, she, Amanda Gorman, she caught that, you know, the, 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 the place and time where we are today. Yeah. And that's what's really beautiful. Uh, again, if I can refer back to open mics and, and, and the uh, spoken word community, because they're constantly doing that. And COVID has really, uh, change the way we uh, we impart those kinds of expressions. Uh, now it's all over the place. And in some ways, maybe it's even more democratic because of the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, but what's always been wonderful about SLAM and the spoken word communities is that it's very inclusive of everybody, uh, gender, ages, backgrounds, et cetera. You know? And so it really mirrors what's happening out in society. Mm -hmm. Levi, I, I want you to pick up on something Jessica mentioned as well, and that is the importance of nurturing and having people to go to when there is interest shown in something so deep, so you know, personal. It's a, it's a very personal journey, the poets I've known. It's a very brave thing that you guys do. And I don't think a lot of folks in the general public realize really honestly how frightening it can be to open yourself up you know, with writing and things like that. You know, how important is it for you to be a nurturing soul for, for poets coming up? Well, that is probably for me. Other, no worries there. <laughs> that, that for me is the most important thing to be able to, to nurture others. Uh, but it's not something that I think we do consciously. I mean, we realize that we're doing it and we realize the impact that we have and how important it is because we ourselves have had people like those in our own lives uh, and we are that for each other, too. Um, the young ones inspire and influence me as much as hopefully I inspire and influence them. Right. And it is familia, it's community, you know, so um, it, it's quite important. Uh, I want to mention one more person, uh, 
amongst all the other people we're going to leave out, probably Jessica and Hakeem, but uh, I think one person that is really um, was, was responsible for the spoken word communities, and when I say spoken word, I mean slam and all that, but the spoken word communities and what has been called the page poets, the published poets, and that was John Crawford from West End Press. Yeah. He recognized the strength and the beauty of the spoken word community. And he was inclusive of that in his Albuquerque cultural conferences. And that brought these communities together, which is like why we have such a strong, vibrant, thriving poetry scene in Albuquerque that does not designate between us and them, he or her or others, you know, it's, it's as one. If you want to be in it, you're welcomed. Mm -hmm. Hey, Jessica, a big favor. Could you get a light in front of you? You're just a little bit dark. And uh, yeah, there you go. Want folks to see you the best way we can. Hakeem, welcome back. I know it's a signal issue. Thank it's, you. Things happen. No worries. I don't know if you were able to sort of catch up with where we were, but we were referencing uh, what had happened. Levi uh, made a very important point about uh, how Amanda Gorman really, you know, she was right out of the DNA thread of slam and spoken word <laughs> from many years ago. And I brought up the fact that I wanted to do something in 2020 last year on the anniversary of the 2005 National Poetry Slam here in Alabama. Yeah. But it just didn't work out because of, you know, obvious things. But I want, I want to catch up there and get your feel for this too, because you bridged both those sides that Levi has mentioned. You were part of that scene way back. You were a lot younger. We were all a lot younger, you know, 15 yeah, we years ago. But, but now you're an elder. Now you've been a, a poet laureate as well. So you've, you've covered that whole spectrum. Uh, speak to that journey, if you would. Yeah, the, the pan-poetic spectrum. Um, yeah. it's, been a, it's been a wild ride. And folks on this call <laughs> were a big part of it, including Eugene. I remember you were the first one to write about us at the time it was the trib i think you were a columnist for the trib and uh probably the first time as a poet i was in the paper and i was like man like we are and that was when of course the national poetry slam was coming uh to albuquerque um but you were you really um you had foreshadowed our ultimate uh victory yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh it made a little bit of i mean I'm, you were biased you know and i know you were the sports fan <laughs> so i know that that bias went into your art your your art in your writing but um, but yeah, like those things. I mean, I caught Jessica's comments, and then I got I got pulled away by the signal. But um, Jessica was absolutely right. Like that, all my background is as a poet educator, and then it was poet educators that made me a poet. Uh, Levi was a big part of that because Levi was the 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 faculty member that went out on a limb at UNM and said you actually should have a class on this stuff. And they were like, well, who's going to sponsor it? And Levi was like, I will. Um, and which again was a which is a huge step towards validating our craft in academia but uh but to, but to levi's point it was you know people like john who were like you know your work um should be in conversation with the work of other published poets and published artists not just in our community but you know west end press had published artists from across the country that were you know uh, leaning a bit to the political left and saying you know your your art the academics of it uh the progressivism of it all belong in the same conversation and um and that was how i got my first book published with with his work and and uh, the partnership of unm press and so um there's no it takes a village you know i know we as poets don't like to speak in trite phrases but sometimes those things are very true and uh and i'll just add to the conversation that it, it, it like everyone else i was floored by amanda gorman's performance i immediately says i need i need to see everything this woman has ever written right. um and and her roots are very much like like ours like our community 
that she was at 14 part of a group called uh, Writer's Girl. I think I have that right or right girl. And it was that mentorship and that familia and that ability to go play to go places and really um, put yourself out on the limb and get critical and, and compassionate feedback that grew her into the person that she is today. And she said it as recently as uh, one of her, her more recent interviews um, at medium.com. And so I just feel, I feel like we're, we're all in that vein, in that family tree and in that pedigree um, doing that same work wherever we are. Yeah, well said. Uh, Jessica, um, I'm thinking back fondly to my time volunteering with the VOSIS program in yeah. its early years. Great fun. I, I, you know, there were times I would come away from there. My head would be so full of just, you know, racing around. There was so much talent in this town. I mean, how important is it for programs like that uh, in, in a town like Albuquerque? Um, you know, it, it's, it's super important to have yeah. in the, in the uh, schools, um, the poets in the classroom, but also uh, OST, which is known as uh, out of school time programming. Wow. Um, the arts and poetry, which is what was Voces. And it was many years uh, running. I think it celebrated its quince, which is 15 years. And so I got into that by Carlos Contreras and then Joaquin Bellamy, and then just a bevy of guest artists and not just poets either. It was a wonderful way to um, bring together other uh, mediums of art. So you had bookmakers and printmakers. We brought in journalists uh, to speak to, to mm -hmm people and to work with them so it was it was different types of writing that uh, students were exposed to and got to participate uh, through that lens mm -hmm. um, and I know that it's running at some capacity now and there's been a change of hands as things as things happen here in Burke because people are doing such amazing things and they kind of transition and shift into other roles mm -hmm. um, but you know what I saw was kids coming in and um, spending hours upon hours dedicated to the craft, specifically to writing poetry and then to um, performing poetry, uh, to publishing their poems, uh, but working really hard from a place of corazón um, and espíritu, from the center of themselves speaking their truths. So whether they were pissed off about something and they wanted to make a, you know, be a political agent for change, if they were um, upset about maybe something that happened familially, um, or they were dealing with any types of uh, inner turmoil, um, or maybe, uh, you know, just exploring their various intersectional identities, they wrote about it. And that was brave and was vulnerable. And it was very powerful to see that manifest through a craft, through a craft that they honed in, in and they did their best at. And, you know, many of them are still writing. And even if they go off and not necessarily pursue that, that craft in either professional or, or in a way that, you know, is pretty consistent, I think it, it forever changed them for the better. And, and I saw them come together. Right. That, that, that was another beauty of it. Um, uh, these young people from across New Mexico, uh, pueblos, reservations, the hoods, urban settings, you know the heights come together and really be a part of a collective voice yeah yeah yeah. hey guys i want to spend a minute uh just to note the albuquerque poet laureate program i did at the top but i want to just do something a little more official here and, and leave i want to get the new mexico uh sense of it as well uh let me kind of go through the roster i mentioned hakeem who was with us today is was the inaugural poet laureate of albuquerque that was in 2012 to 2014 it is a two-year run jessica who was with us followed we don't want to leave out Manuel Gonzalez. Um, certainly, he held the title from 2016 to 2018. Um, good friend of everyone's. Michelle Otero followed him. 
Michelle, of course, is a um, very active around town, 2018 to 2000. And we have currently, she may pop in, she may not, Mary Oishi, who currently holds the title of Poet Laureate for Albuquerque. She's been uh, having a super busy day. She would have loved to have been with us, trust me. Uh, she felt bad she couldn't. So if you're watching this after, Mary, don't worry. We love you, we love you. Uh, Levi, quick, if you could take a minute, uh, talk about the, the state program. I'm not as familiar with the state program. Uh, talk about how often it runs, how long is the rain, you know, who qualifies, can one be uh, a former poet laureate for Albuquerque and still be a, a state poet laureate? Does it work that way too? How does this all, how does this all work? Yeah, um, anybody can qualify to be nominated uh, for New Mexico Poet Laureate. Uh, that's how I got to be New Mexico Poet Laureate. Somebody nominated me okay. uh, and I'm very honored by that. It's been very humbling. Uh, I'm in the second year of a three-year post. And, um, you know, again, again, COVID changed everything because there's actually a, um, a room at the New Mexico State Library up in Santa Fe that's dedicated just to the New Mexico Poet Laureate program. And so it, was a, it's, it, it is a space in which it will be open uh, to poets, workshops, instructors, um, artists, musicians, all working together um, or individually as part of projects associated with the New Mexico Poet Laureate program. Um, we're just all like everybody hoping for this COVID nightmare to go away mm -hmm. so that we can open up the doors again. But meantime, um, one of the things that Michelle Otero and I are working on, she's the co-editor with me on the New Mexico Poet New Mexico Poetry Anthology. And so that is an anthology that we're putting together. We're just barely starting to do that now. Uh, in fact, I have a meeting with them after, after this one. But uh, so um, we invite the public out there who might be watching and um, we're gonna reach out to certain poets that we know, but uh, we're also gonna put out a call for submissions. Uh, and so we want to, again, just have as many represent different represent, representations of all the different voices that exist in New Mexico. And that's something that I'm looking forward to. Every New Mexico, every New Mexico poet laureate will be doing their own anthology. Oh, so wow. um, this anthology will mirror, you know, my, my, you know, my, my interests in, in language and themes and things like that. The next poet will have their own interests. And it's really cool the way that that'll work whoever might be left out unintentionally from this anthology then hopefully will be picked up in the next one. That's interesting. I know you're a little pressed on time. You mentioned, uh, you had mentioned, uh, uh, Jess had mentioned before you have got another meeting coming up here. If you have to bag out, uh, no worries. But, um, we'd love to help promote that idea. If there's something we can be helpful with at New Mexico PBS, um, you know, either through Jess or, or anybody else, please do let us know. We'd love to get the word out if there's an appropriate role for us to, to help that uh, to help that happen uh, statewide. So that's that's fascinating. That's very, very interesting. Um, let's get wrap up here. I know we're taking a little bit of time out of your lives here, but we've got to get back to Amanda Gorman and what's happening this Sunday. <laughs> um, I'm going to put something out there. I had joked uh, before we went on air that I it just, you know, it just seems to me karma is a very interesting thing and in how things sort of come around. I was thinking about the Colin Ka Kaepernick situation when uh, the most recent president uh, got into office and how he made this whole thing so political and taking a knee for justice, so not what it was. 
and you sort of blink. And here's this woman about to play, uh, about to do a, a poem in front of the biggest TV audience that we have in the United States it, it, by, by far. It, it's just an amazing turnaround to me that life can kind of spin around this way. Uh, Jessica, do you, do you have a sense of, you know, I, I don't think we, we can all predict what we want to come out of this, but do you have a sense of what you're anticipating emotionally? I mean, whether you're huh. a fan or not, you know, what's your, what's your right. feeling about it? You know, just her mere presence right there um, is exalting, um, you know, uh, people of color, black voices and, and totally amplifies Colin Kaepernick's message, you know, in taking a knee and the rejection of him, you know, by the NFL and then the movement that, uh, that is uh, uh, BLM. Um, her presence there is amazing. I think of it in this way as a poet who's often asked to write occasional poems. You know, I usually work out my poem in advance. I think about the setting, I think about the audience, but there have been times because we are writers, we are artists that we push back against the type of censorship that we feel that could be present there. You know, we wanna say this one thing and this is our truth with the capital T, but we know this audience setting. And I wonder about this. I'm just thinking about the, the behind the scenes thing as far as how she's prepping for what she wants to say. Her voice is a voice of light and message and power. You know, of course, I think everybody and their mama went after the inauguration and Googled her and, and watched videos and read her work as I did. And I mean, she's just got this amazing body of work and uh, I don't think she's someone that will be contained as most poets aren't or artists for that matter. Right. So I think that yes, her message is gonna be one of, of, of you know, that, that which we are all uplifted. Um, but I wonder to what extent it could possibly be perceived or very explicitly a pushback to the status quo and a pushback to, you know, certain ideologies like capitalism and, Mm -hmm. embracing uh, intersectionality so I don't know I think it's going to be it's going to be great I'll be tuning in and yeah, yeah I like football all right Gene so <laughs> I like it all right <laughs> there you go Hakeem I saw your post on Facebook <laughs> earlier today about your eagles they will rise again they will rise again there's no question <laughs> um, but your thoughts on on what Amanda Gorman could oh no no there you are what Amanda Gorman could possibly pull off here. I mean, you know, she's got so much room here. It's amazing. She's got she's got a lot of runway. And I think your point yeah. is well taken that we, you know, we won't, we, uh, well, and what Jessica said, that the idea that as, as occasional poets, oftentimes, you know, you kind of come in with um, a defined parameters about what you're trying to address, who you're trying to address and those things. Uh, I don't think that, that any moment of occasional poetry can be more fraught than an inauguration because the the target audience is so broad, right? You know, super broad, broader broader than many of the things that opportunities I've had to present any occasional poetry work. And, and you're often saying like, how do I shoot for the middle in a way that is authentic to me? So it's being hyper, it's, it's like trying to be universal and hyper specific at the same time. I feel like, you know, the, the Super Bowl should give to give her a little bit more, um, you know, there's a little more opportunity, right, to really, um, to really capture the moment in a way that's not um, as formal and rigid as inaugurate as an inauguration is. And so I do hope she takes more liberties um, in that space. But uh, you know, I could see myself, you know, vomiting in the corner before I go up to do an inauguration, um, a Super Bowl only slightly less fraught, probably. And she did it with such grace. I, I, I don't imagine that um, there's any opportunity for her to be less than magnificent. 
um, yeah. in, in, in this in this realm. She's already been on the cover of Time. Um, she's already, uh, if you go backwards in time through her timeline, like we all did, like Jessica said, after we saw the inauguration, you just kind of see this this person who's been this person for a long time. And right. so I feel like that's going to, that's going to work out and serve her really well, even in spaces where people are trying to micromanage her art. You know, you just anticipated a question right there, those last four words. I got to imagine, Hakeem, this is also a moment, this is where I, I, I really respect professional artists. And I use the word professional specifically here because the unprofessional artists, like say me, I would be very undisciplined about this, having this much runway, this much audience, this much axe to grind. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that she could come out there with it really with an AR-15 and just like spray the nation if she wanted to with words that people are not ready to hear because there's certain types of football fans. Talk to that, Hakeem. Does it take a certain type of discipline when you know that you have the drop literally on an audience? How do you approach that? When, yeah, when you when you think your audience isn't as woke as you would like them to be, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah. and 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 you know, I, early in my career, I've had I've had mentors like Levi. I've had contemporaries like Jessica who have helped me make um, those kind of uh, decisions, right? Those decisions about like, and we always ask our contemporaries like, "Hey, I'm got this thing coming up. I'm gonna read this poem. Is this too much? Is this too little?" Yeah. Right? You know, we're asking each other those questions, and and then I remember asking my mom, and my mom just saying, "You know, if they spit the medicine out." The medicine doesn't help them. So you have to really figure out the balance of saying, okay, this is medicine that you need. Right. At least I think my audience needs, right? And I'm, not, I'm no doctor, but this is the medicine I think they need. And if, if I don't give it with a spoonful of sugar or something that makes them swallow it, then, um, then I wasted the medicine, right? And so that's really the magic of trying to figure out how to, um, how to, be, how to, challenge, how to challenge them, but also how to um, make it so that they're actually going to walk away and go, huh? That's not my perspective, and uh, and now I have a new perspective. You know, right. so Levi, pick up on that if you would. I your thoughts on that very same question? Yeah, I, I uh, well, first of all, you know, going back to her presence at the Super Bowl, it's just amazing. Here we have uh, a poet, you know, a poet that represents the introverts of the schoolyards and classrooms, outcasts of the most likely to succeed category. You know, we were we never fell into that. At least I didn't. And so we have uh, Amanda Gorman now, who is up in front of two audiences, a sports audience and an arts audience, and they're coming together. And oftentimes within our own families, we're not even understood, right? Uh, as poets and as artists and as writers. And so there we will be in a living room with our family members <laughs> celebrating both a, a football game and a poet. Um, and the professionalism, you know, you know, as, as uh, Jessica mentioned, you know, the, uh, to, not a, to be an occasional poet, and it reminded me of John F. Kennedy's inauguration when Robert Frost was the, uh, the poet laureate, right? Mm -hmm. And they asked him if he had written a, a poem for the inauguration, and he said no, because he wasn't an occasional poet. They asked him if he'd written something for the occasion, and he said no. They said, why not? And he says, because I'm not an occasional poet. This is our life. This is what we do. Right. That's fascinating. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the whole thing, but I'm equally fascinated how America is going to respond to whatever she puts out there. It, it, it's more it's it's a bigger mystery to me than the outcome of the score of the football game. I, I'm more interested in, in, in this 
You know what I mean? I, I'm okay either side. You know, Mahomes wins, Brady wins. I, you know, my life goes on. I'm, I'm very interested in what she has to say to the nation, though. You know, considering all that has happened in the politicization of football over the past four years, it's an astounding circumstance. It really is. I, I'm just really kind of kind of blown away. I mean, there are folks out there who will hate whatever she says. And there are folks who will be out there saying she didn't go far enough. I mean, it's just going to cover the whole spectrum because that's just how life works. Hey, guys, I can't thank you enough for spending some time. Levi, I know you got a, you got a jet. And um, hopefully we can do this again. I, I'd love to pick up with an idea of somehow we have some kind of remembrance of the National Poetry Slam in 2005 at some point in our town. And we really can have an event to speak to that. So much like germinated, like shoots turn into trees and flowers and beautiful beauty. It was just a, an amazing thing for the city that shouldn't be forgotten to time. So I'm asking for your help on that at some point. So guys, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. For those watching, we will see you tonight at seven o'clock on channel 5.1. Got a great lineup of guests. We talk about all kinds of fun things too. And until then, take care. Stay safe. All right. Thank you. Bye, Good everybody. Take care. Thank you, Thank you Gene. Bye, Bye friends. Bye, Jessica. Bye, Levi.